We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Yesterday, Cliff Sora shared a top 10 list of hot fusion restaurants, a vegan gluten-free mashup recipe, and a podcast featuring organic food trends. Oh, TMI, I, too much internet information. That's oversharing. Cliff, Geico has something worth sharing with your friends. Like how on geico.com you could save hundreds on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim. Gluten-free info that's easy to swallow. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Friday, October 2nd, 2015, week four of the NFL season. This podcast is available on both iTunes and Stitcher. We'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to leave us a nice review. Week four, Millionaire Maker, big part of our conversation here, as it is every single Friday. Ravens yes. Steelers recap. You, you seem you seem really excited Psyched about the for the Millionaire Maker, man. Basically, it's the thing I look forward to the most in my week. Yeah, uh, I mean, million dollars, the big million. I'm going for it every every week with the stupidest, most like 
infantile lack of awareness of how little chance I actually stand, but uh, hopefully we, I can at least teach the listeners how to not be me and thus rise to the top. I think given the amount of time we spend thinking about the prices and, and looking at the players from all these different angles and just seeing injury reports, stuff flying by all week, just the, the amount of information we just accumulate even accidentally gives us probably like a 1 in 100 chance of winning the Millie Maker in any given week, even though there are like 500,000 entries. 1 yeah. in 100, yeah, but no. 1, 1% chance of winning. Not 1%. It's one, like 1% chance of winning. 1% of 1%. No, 1%. A flat <laughs> okay. 1%. I love it. I love the Millie As long maker. as I have Woodhead in my lineup, I'll concede that I'll have a better chance than 1%. So. We, we are wondering if Danny Woodhead would ever be a guest on the podcast. So if uh, any of the Chargers, like PR people are listening, uh, this is our formal request to interview Danny Woodhead at some point during the season perhaps during the bye week if, i don't really uh, want to do that because that might raise his salary a bit and I, I like to go cheap on that second running back but i would love to talk to him he, he seems visionary yeah i mean he's he's probably an interesting guy a lot of injury talk to get to the raven steelers game last night was the tire fire of all tire fires i mean that game was absolutely horrendous of course we're going to talk about that we'll kick things off with that just to get it out of the way uh, Ravens 23-20 winners in this one because the Steelers just didn't want to win. Uh, some of the play design from Todd Haley and the play calling from Todd Haley was awful. You got to blame Mike Tomlin. He had a headset on, not pulling the Brady Hoke. Could have could have probably trumped some of those calls. Could have done something to change it. Games on the line, fourth and short situations. Of course, you want to line a tackle up out wide and roll Michael Vick out to the short side of the field. You don't want to maybe hand off to Le'Veon Bell. Well, they'd be expecting that, though, because it makes a lot of sense, right? It's the obvious thing, but he's averaging 5.9 yards per carry in what I would assume to be predominantly obvious running situations. Yeah, but if you can do something that doesn't make as much sense, you got to do it. Any chance you get to put a tackle out wide, you have to take that. You can't leave those opportunities out on the table. Le'Veon Bell finished 129 yards in the ground, 22 carries, 5.9 yards per attempt, a long of 22 did get in the end zone in this one. Antonio Brown just five catches for 42 yards on nine targets. Vic missed him on a fourth and one throw that would have also put the Steelers in a pretty good position to go down and win this game. Darius Hayward Bay caught the lone TD through the air. Four catches for 31 yards. Barely caught it, but pulled that in on a total of five targets. Vic finishes 19 of 26 for 124 yards in the touchdown. Didn't throw any picks, but threw a lot of balls just so far away from everybody that a pick wasn't really a possibility. Uh, he was sacked four times, which it's about right. He drops back 26 times, gets sacked four times. He's uh, In terms of NFL quarterbacks, at the bottom of the scale in terms of pocket awareness, just seems to lock in on receivers, doesn't set his feet properly, just doesn't seem like he's really changed that much as he's been in the league for like 10 years. I'm not convinced Michael Vick could handle like a flag football recreational level league pass rush at this point like he just it just seems so blissfully unaware of the danger that's behind his you know very fragile uh torso at all times he's, he's like not only so close to getting hit all the times it's just like you can see like the pain from a mile away too and he never does and it's it's pretty sad uh but yeah hopefully they just go to like a d'angelo williams Lavian bell combined 80 carry kind of thing from now on 
might be a good way to go here for the next four to six weeks while we wait for the return of Ben Roethlisberger. On the Ravens side, Steve Smith got hurt late in this game. He was targeted seven times, caught four balls for 24 yards. It was the Kamar Aiken show for the most part in the fourth quarter and in overtime. Five catches, 77 yards, and a TD on seven targets. So right now it seems like if Steve Smith is going to miss some time, Aiken is maybe the only useful Ravens receiver, and that's probably a pretty big stretch. Perriman's still out, I think. Didn't he have just like a new procedure done? He had a knee scope done. I think they uh, said yesterday, too, yeah. so I imagine it could be another week or Michael so Michael Campanaro, maybe? Maybe. Slot receiver. No, no uh, Campanaro for me. They got Darren Waller involved. He was targeted twice. Oh, it was? We had Waller, a Darren Waller Waller's signing. my guy. I, I love Waller. I got excited, but I saw it. I, I thought... Looks like Vincent Jackson, right? Time so to get fast. him everywhere. He's big and fast, and I mean... After I think that's all you need. Out. I think that's all you need. You don't Just have to be able to run the routes. Throw it at the big fast guy, and he can usually be taller and faster than other people. He should be tall. I mean, he is taller than everybody on the defense. Yeah, the it doesn't like doesn't change. Ends. Doesn't but change faster than probably the entire defense. Justin Forsett had a good game. Twenty-seven carries for one hundred and fifty yards. But I got to ask you about this. On a night where the Ravens, once Steve Smith left this game and without Crockett Gilmore, were they were scrambling, just scrambling for pass catching options. How does Justin Forsett only get one target? Like what is Mark Tressman thinking by not even trying to dump it down to Justin Forsett? I would imagine they kind of tried to, but just failed to get it done because he he did have what, uh twelve catches in the first three games. So uh, I would I would not worry about his pass catching volume. I would probably try to sell high on Forsett if I owned him because I don't anticipate another 27 carry game, let alone another 150 yards on the ground kind of game or necessarily a game where he averages more than four and a half yards per carry. So lot, lots of reasons to try to sell that one, I think. Yeah, I'm with you on Forsett. If you can get anything close to what you paid for him at your draft or your auction, this would be the time to go ahead and cash that in. One last thought on the Steelers' offense in this one. Antonio Brown did drop what would have been like a 30-yard TD catch. So He's bad. That does skew the numbers a little bit, but his value is certainly down. I mean, do you see him right now as a guy that falls maybe outside the top 10 among wide receivers, or is he still in that group? Because on the short week especially, I think it makes things a lot more difficult for a backup quarterback quarterback to get up to speed with the first team offense like Vic is not good but I don't think he's going to be quite this bad most weeks I don't know that I think he'll get any better I I, it's obvious it's obviously like Russ could be a factor with him because he's basically been on the shelf forever since last year when he was you know not doing a whole lot either but he just seems like he's he's had just horrible pocket presence his whole career horrible ability to read a defense but his ability to get coverages out of alignment by breaking the pocket or at least posing the threat to break the pocket, it isn't there. Like It seems like he can't run either. So I think we're just seeing a guy who cannot throw with no second you know, option to kind of change the terms of the game a little bit. So he's just forced into this thing he cannot do. Uh, I don't know what that means for Brown specifically. I, I'm not confident, though, because if Vic does have one good trait, it'd probably be like throwing the ball deep. And Brown doesn't really do that, at least not like truly deep. Like he's more of like an intermediate short route guy. So I think he'll finish top 10 just because he'll be so good when Roethlisberger gets back. But I don't think he'll be top 10 while Vic is starting. Yeah, Martavis Bryant ends his four game suspension this week. So coming back here in week five, it'll be a Monday night game against the Chargers. We should see Bryant 
I would imagine, on the field a bit more than we did throughout the end of last season. And even with those limited snaps he was playing last year, a uh, very uh, effective player just because of what he was doing on a per catch and even per target basis. Let's take a look at a few injury items here as we move through the Friday injury report news. Jay Cutler actually listed as questionable with that hamstring injury. Uh, Elshon Jeffrey also listed as questionable for the Bears for their game against the Raiders, although I don't think... I'd be surprised if both of them played. I'd be shocked if both played. It seems like Jeffrey is actually on the more doubtful side of questionable. But Cutler was able to practice in a limited capacity uh, for three days this week. So maybe there's a chance he gets in. If he comes back from that hamstring injury, is he a low-end quarterback option? You think about throwing in there against that Oakland defense? I don't think so. I I don't know first what to make of any of the Bears injury reports at this point. So if i were ever to consider cutler it'd probably need to be when jeffrey is for sure in which i guess we have no reason to think that'll happen uh even even with jeffrey though i mean the bears offense is just it just seems a bit wrong and uh cutler's not that great probably i think the raiders i don't know like khalil max scary right i don't i don't want jay cutler trying to go against khalil max so all it takes is like one little flimsy reason to go off of cutler and i will every time but i, I want the gif of khalil mack chasing down jay cutler while sigs just like are, are falling, falling out, out of, of his of, pants of, yes that's exactly that's exactly what i want or there's or, not enough stuff falling out of players pants in general like ever since nate newton lost that snickers bar or whatever nobody's l- dropping things out of their pants when they get tackled anymore that's a horrible place to keep a snickers bar yeah, I think it was just like ruined. Like I don't think he knew it was there. Um, <laughs> well, somebody snuck it in there. Like on no, the I think I think I think it was just one of those things. It's like you know, I'll have this this candy bar later. Uh, don't notice that you kind of like stuck it in your pocket or whatever. Put it on you're uh, in, in a your football game, game pants? all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, I mean that because you'll definitely remember. You'll definitely remember like before the game. Like oh right, there's there's a peanut butter bar right here or whatever yeah, pre-game snickers bar anyway no one else does that it was just like joe horn that one time he had the the sharpie or whatever now he had the cell phone oh terrell in, owens had the, the, sharp- had the ah. sharpie in his sock but joe horn's cell phone placement that was pretty great that was kind of risky and dangerous right like he could have had that smashed and like lots of shards of scary battery materials it was under no it was under the pad oh, on the uprights. Okay. he didn't have i thought it he had like on his pocket no so he, he must have tucked a cell phone <laughs> in each set of uprights under that pad that's in there because when he when he knew when he was going to score I, he was going to go right for the i phone. hope he actually called something and it was actually a functioning phone rather than just a decorative one i, I hope he called the president that, that would have been the most appropriate thing to do Take a look at a couple of injury items here for the Bills. Both Sammy Watkins and LaShawn McCoy ruled out. Going to see a lot of Carlos Williams. Not a big surprise that McCoy is out, but Sammy Watkins really didn't uh, move through any sort of progression in practice this week. He's got a calf injury right now. Value is extremely low. It's been a disappointing start to the season for Watkins. In a season-long context, are you going after him via trade right now with the hope that you know maybe even in the second half of this season, even if he's not good for the next couple of weeks, that maybe we start to get the player we were expecting on draft day at some point? I don't know what I was expecting from him in that offense anyway. It wasn't much. So given the injury risk, I'm not sure that I see much of the upside potential there and going for him. 
I do have to say, though, I, I very much resent the Bills for what they've done to Sammy Watkins because uh, not that, that it's not their fault that he's had these durability issues, but his productivity is a very predictable outcome. Like that team just isn't, it wasn't in a position to capitalize on whatever it was that Watkins theoretically offered. So the trade was stupid. I, I, would, I would just kill to see him in an offense with like Rodgers somebody somebody who creates after the catch opportunities for their quarterbacks because Watkins is so talented but I don't know that we'll ever see it in Buffalo moving on to the Colts and Andrew Luck uh, apparently Luck was nowhere to be seen when the Colts practice opened up on Friday he is questionable to play in this game on Sunday and you've got Matt Hasselback taking first team reps throughout this week Luck really isn't able to throw right now and this injury seems to have come out of relative nowhere if only because it didn't seem as though he'd suffered any sort of ailment during the game against the Titans. I mean, is this really like a situation that you have to be concerned about if you're a Luck owner, if you're a T.Y. Hilton owner, or if you're even a Dante Moncrief owner? Well, this does kind of seem like uh, the pitcher going on DL the night of getting rocked, right? Like It, it seems like it might have explained why his numbers have been so bad, at least against the Titans. I mean, the first two games, I wasn't expecting him to do well against Buffalo or the Jets, but the Titans, you can't do anything? against them um yeah maybe maybe something was wrong with him in that before that game uh don't know where it would have occurred in the game if not but the whole the whole the whole team seems like a mess right now it seems like it it seems also like it's one of those things that could implode at any moment because the coach seems to be on bad terms with management and management sucks man Uh, management's on bad terms with ownership management everybody's gonna get fired yeah like management's having trouble uh you know coping with the clearly inadequate skill level they have for their jobs so i yeah i don't know it doesn't seem like anybody's particularly happy there finding a solution probably takes a little bit of group work functional group work and who knows what's going to go on there luck's talented enough that if he's healthy you know you're getting get your fantasy numbers out of him but as far as like what could have been this year that that's quickly fading it seems Doug Martin back at practice on Friday for the Bucks. He suffered an injury in Wednesday's practice and did not do anything on Thursday, but that he was back on Friday, a really encouraging sign as he tries to get back on the field for Sunday's game against Carolina. No Deshaun Jackson for Washington this week, uh, going up against his old team in the Eagles. Maybe a chance he returns in Week 5, but according to head coach Jay Gruden, it's uh, probably too early to even assess that in a realistic sort of way. Fred, uh, I should say Victor Cruz had a platelet-rich plasma injection Thursday in an effort to help his injured calf. Uh, he's probably still a few weeks away from returning, so more Reuben Randall likely this week, which that's what we all want. We want more Reuben Randall. I don't trust Reuben Randall he's at bad. all. Even he's after bad. a good game against Washington in Week 3, I don't, I don't want shares of him in season-long or in a daily context. Uh, quick IDP item, Luke Keekley not practicing Friday. I believe he has been officially ruled out as a result of his concussion, so no Luke Keekley again here in Week 4. Uh, one last item that I just saw scroll by as well, Jordan Cameron is officially questionable to play in Sunday's game against the Jets in London. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry. This is... Uh thrilled for london i like i like the idea of london you're pro london pro london certainly more pro london than i am pro joe philbin um yeah london versus joe philbin i I like london more than miami as well i mean miami's okay like it's it's just not my scene i'm i'm not built for anything but the north basically i would sweat to death down there 
people would think I look just like a loser guy because of how much I'm sweating. You're like just sweating no chance. through your clothes every day. No chance. I would, I would, everybody would just mistake me for some kind of like one of those people who picks up cigarettes on the sidewalk. <laughs> those people, what, who are those people? Uh, people who are, who really want to smoke but can't buy cigarettes. So they pick up the butts of cigarettes like next to bars and stuff. I didn't know smoke that them. that was a thing that smoke the the filter. Wow. Well, that's that is depressing. You can see it in Madison. I'll have to uh, keep you know I'm not out at bar time as much. Oh no, it's it's all all, all hours day. of the day. You can't even see them at dark, so it's more likely they do it in the, you know. Wow. That is that is one of the saddest things I think I've ever heard. Capitalism rules, man. Fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting. Week four, DraftKings will be hosting yet another Millionaire Maker event with $1.2 million going to first place. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter the promo code ROTOWIRE to play free with your first deposit on DraftKings. It's promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Of course, there's a bunch of injuries that we haven't discussed yet that are going to probably factor into our lineup construction conversation here. We're going to start at the quarterback position where we are each and every week. Of course, Drew Brees seems like he's trending in the right direction, maybe even has a better chance of playing than Andrew Luck as we record this here early on Friday afternoon. But I don't think you can go anywhere near Luck or Brees this week, even if they're active because you're worried about the quality of their arm strength right now, their ability to actually air it out at their previous levels. So both of those guys for me are off the board. I mean, you got Aaron Rodgers at 7,900 on the road against San Francisco, a completely different version of the San Francisco team. That's gotten the better of the Packers really for the last four years now. Yeah. I don't know how to expect green Bay to approach this. If they were petty, like I am, I would go in, you know, Belichick Brady, 18 and Oak type spirit. Like I, I would try to, break the spirit of the 49ers and all their fans and try to score like 50 more points than they do but i don't think mike mccarthy is that um you know lowly so yeah i don't think he's i don't think he sucks that much so i think they're probably gonna you know go with a lot of lacy if he's feeling better because why i mean really why why have rogers throw too much The, the 49ers are bad they should be able to take that game so I, I would I would guess Rodgers is, as always, like super, super efficient, but I guess I can't expect him to go kind of high volume, high aggression like they did against Kansas City. Uh, could totally happen because Rodgers is just the best ever, but I, I think I like a, little, a few of the lower priced options a little bit more. Um, but yeah, if, as far as like breeze and luck, like those prices are just non-starter. And even, even if he's healthy, I still don't want breeze unless he's like 6,500 or something. Peyton Manning, 7,200 home against the Vikings. Vikings defense looking a little better the last two weeks. Not crazy about Manning at this point because I think you have a pretty limited quarterback there. But the, the issue with the Broncos is that they can't run the ball very well. And Minnesota has been good against the run so far this year once you get past that carlos hyde explosion in week one like they really bottled up opposing backs each of the last two games and that's kind of what we expected coming into the year uh, any reason to consider manning or you drop down a bit further i mean russell wilson at 7100 eli at seven even newton at seven even you go down to the 6900 range you get matt ryan at that price home against houston and then of course carson palmer only 6800 against the rams yeah it's it's hard because i i don't dislike Peyton Manning per se but I mean he has been a lot better since they started accommodating him a bit with the shotgun formation but when a when you have these two things alongside each other one being 
Manning's complete lack of throwing velocity and two, a Gary Kubiak run offense that can't run the ball. That feels like it's just a zombie offense. Like something they could improve like they could just figure it out but at the same time it's like something about this is not sustainable if gary kubiak cannot run the ball gary can gary kubiak does not have control right now so that's a little scary but maybe it's like he doesn't have control because manning's running the offense like he pretty much has with every single offense he's ever played in uh but yeah it's 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 at it's at denver at least uh so that that should help a bit but yeah i don't know what exactly to think of the minnesota defense at this point week one was embarrassing but i thought their talent and their coaching implied that they could get better and perhaps get to the point that they're like a top eight kind of defense in the league too early to tell if that's the case but it's it's still just scary enough for me that i probably won't have any peyton this week i'd rather go down to cam at seven thousand probably rather have eli manning at seven thousand. like at least it's similar to uh the broncos i don't expect the giants to run much certainly not against the bills so maybe you know garbage pass attempt volume at least for eli manning that's how he got through last year um but yeah otherwise i mean cam and matt ryan at seven thousand and sixty nine hundred. uh probably my favorites uh, ryan's at home Palmer, I think, is going to be a very he's he was already a trendy pick last week. People are really going after him heavy for cash games so far this year. Understandably, he's got nine touchdowns in three games. Looks really good. Fitzgerald's unstoppable right now. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit worried about what might happen against that St. Louis pass rush. So I, th- I think I like Matt Ryan a bit more in Cam. Also, I'm intrigued by the next four quarterbacks here, though. Rivers at 6100 is home against the Browns. Bradford's on the road against Washington, coming off a game. But against a the tsunami. Jets the attempts weren't there. There might be like a tsunami the with the Washington bad, game. Like bad weather concern. Yeah, there's like a hurricane something or other out there, and like it looks like the it looks like the Philadelphia Washington game has a high chance of unideal weather and i guess can't or postponement was even a consideration wow. so definitely something to check in on you know when the weekend arrives and i guess the entire east coast is flattened well hope you guys uh, stay dry out there on the east coast uh, keep keep an eye on kevin roth on twitter of course the uh, main weather guy for the fantasy industry i think at this point whether whether he likes it or not i wonder if i wonder if all the other meteorologists hate him now because of all the uh you know the the, the too many ads thing they're like you're one of them you've you've, you've ah, i don't think you've so. deviated from the the meteorologist cloth well yeah i mean there aren't that many famous weather people so it's uh is al roker a weather guy or is he just a famous i, I think he was at one point famous egg seller a weather guy <laughs> couple other cheap quarterback options here. Andy Dalton, 5,900 home against the Chiefs. That looks pretty appealing. Tyrod Taylor, 5,800 home against Tyrod the Tyrod is probably who I got most of my action on in this slate. Like I, Tyrod, Matt Ryan, uh, Cam Newton are my favorites, I think. But Tyrod, 5,800. He's at home. The Giants don't seem to be good at anything in particular, uh, You know, especially not on defense. And with McCoy, if, if McCoy is out, I should say, I don't – I don't think Carlos Williams is going to get like 35 carries. So I think that might turn into a few more passes for Tyrod, just maybe a few more runs more importantly. Like we, we want to see him run more. He's all he's doing is, is throwing for, uh, you know, 400 or sorry, 277 yards, three touchdowns at Miami last week, two, three touchdown passing games in a row, but we only have one rushing touchdown so far this year. Um, I, I guess I feel entitled to like 12 of those or something. So I, at 5,800, I, I love him in an offense that I think has usage up for grabs. Going a little cheaper, you get Colin Kaepernick. Horrible game nah. last week in Arizona, 5,500. You know Dom Capers isn't sleeping well this week. 
I Kaepernick did kill them the last couple times they went against Packers, but I don't know. I just I I can't consider 49ers anything but a joke right now. I just I just don't think Green Bay is going to have much trouble winning that. Listeners out there want to know Derek Carr 5300 going up against the Bears. Can he keep things rolling? That is pretty interesting actually um i i think it's safe to say that the bears defense is truly terrible at least in the secondary not just bad terrible cars got back-to-back 300 yard games five touchdowns and one interception in those two games i mean if assuming there's not some kind of like crazy windy weather or something in chicago i think that looks pretty promising for him let's move on to the running back position adrian peterson topping the list $7,800 going on the road to face Denver. You think about how good that Denver defense has been. Who wins this matchup? Can the Denver defense bottle up Peterson, keep him to 70, 80 yards on 20 carries, and force Teddy Bridgewater to beat them? I am not optimistic about Peterson's chances of justifying that salary exactly, but I also don't think he's likely to be totally shut down. But, I mean, this is they are taking on Wade and Wade's house, and... The, the passing game for Minnesota hasn't been there at all. So it is it easy it is easy to imagine, you know, the the Broncos just selling out on the pass and just being like, We don't care. Go ahead, Teddy, and Teddy just not really stepping up. So I I wouldn't probably approach Peterson just just due to his price and some of the alternatives that are available. Like I feel like Jamal Charles has been underpriced every week so far. Uh especially last week and at seventy six hundred going against the Bengals. That's like no matter what the scenario with Charles, as long as he's not going against, you know, like 2000 Ravens defense, 2010 Seahawks, whatever, 2012, whatever year it was. Yeah, I, hate so when, I hate when that happens when you get the Madden matchup where you go against the historically good. Defenses. <laughs> That's awful. That's always unfortunate in DFS. Um, but yeah, uh, Charles, no matter what, if he's going against a team where the, the, the Chiefs need to throw the ball. Oh, good. He's like their leading receiver and he's good at it. Like, if they're going to run, he will run it. Uh, you know, occasional Niall Davis vulture touchdown aside, Charles is just so solid usage-wise, and he's also an, an amazing player. He's so efficient with either catching the ball or running. So love him at 7,600, And at, whereas I'm more like kind of low-temperature lukewarm on Peterson at that price. Yeah, I think no, that makes sense, just given the way the Broncos are likely to scheme against that Minnesota offense. Charles, 7,600 does seem like a nice value you move to the other top tier backs marshawn lynch very much dinged up 7200 could see him very limited in that monday night game against the lions if he is in fact active i think there's just too much risk there at that price to even go near him matt forte 7100 against oakland i mean he is the whole offense right now but with jimmy clausen being the potential quarterback here depending on what happens with cutler since cutler hasn't officially been ruled out that could be disastrous too. I mean, we saw what happened last week and volume wise, yeah, Forte is safe, but until that Bears offense can find a way to move the ball more consistently, I think you have to be concerned about Forte's opportunities to score in particular. Yeah, I mean, it's at 7100, he's he's definitely not the player just because of the matchup or whatever to, you know, totally kill your team if you pick him. I think he's got about as high as a floor of, as anybody. Like even last week he uh he had 74 on 20 carries didn't catch a pass so he 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 that's basically a goose egg by his standards less than 10 points so there's there's a chance that he that he at least meets value there but it's with all the other you know concerning variables in play i just don't find myself willing to take that risk i don't think health permitting arian foster would be 7000 matching up against a falcons defense that got just torched 
torched by the the Cowboys offense. Joseph Randall leading the way in week three. If Foster is active, do you sneak him into your lineup at that 7K price tag? I don't know. I don't think so because I I worry about low usage in his first game. I worry about re-injury. I worry about limited effectiveness in his first game. I don't trust Houston to handle this in a super rational manner because, I mean, it seems like an aggressive timetable to me to be back in like week five with basically like a groin muscle tear. Uh, I realize that the initial diagnosis prognosis that we heard of, you know, like eight to 12 weeks or whatever, like that might've been a bit much. However, uh, got like when you got like a, you know, competitive player like Foster, they're always going to want to play even if they shouldn't. And I think Bill O'Brien might be getting just insecure enough as a coach that he's to the point where he'll let players play when they shouldn't too uh you know Houston's not getting any traction with him he has no idea what he's doing with that franchise anyway so if if they just keep looking lifeless that that you worry about him getting sent out and I I would imagine that he's aware of the possibility either way I I'm not gonna if I'm gonna take an injured guy it would definitely be like Lacey at 6900 in a game where I'm not worried about Green Bay scoring points yeah Lacey and Charles you use them in tandem or do you just make a couple lineups where you use Charles in some and Lacey and others I'm probably looking at making like four or five lineups just for like the millionaire maker I'll probably just have one maybe two cash game specific lineups but uh for like millionaire maker I I I think i'll probably get one lineup with lacy in just because i thought he looked good monday against uh the chiefs i mean 4.6 per carry on 10 carries three catches for 41 yards it seems like they were limiting him not because he was like physically limited so much as it because they were just trying to be careful with him uh when you're on the road against san francisco i think the version of careful is more running the ball less rogers throwing it especially because i don't think the 49ers are going to put points on the board against the Packers so I yeah I like Lacey's chances quite a bit it's more just that Charles has a lot more upside I think for only 500 more dollars or whatever um was it 500 or 700 more sorry 700 more and then it's like below uh below Eddie Lacey I'd rather try my luck with probably in a cash game on you know uh Mark Ingram at 6,000 at home going against Dallas maybe and maybe even latavius murray. i feel like i'm I feel like i'm getting a little too high on latavius just because of his past injury history and my the, the rule that you probably shouldn't trust the raiders at any point but they gave him you know 41 carries the last two weeks he's beasting uh the bears defense if we expect it to give up yardage to Derek carr it should also give up touchdown opportunities to latavius murray who's also active as a pass catcher in that offense but yeah lacy lacy's more of a, a tournament guy for me than cash game in any case just because like we don't know if he's closer to 80 percent than 100 and if if the 49ers are as bad as i seem to think they are that then they might not even need lacy to win that yeah you might see a decent amount of starks again the carries were there for starks against the chiefs he just didn't do a lot with them in that uh, rainy monday night wow. matchup cj anderson down to 5900 he's cheap what and changed like, in a month if well turf toe i think oh, is a huge yeah, I mean, part of his is, struggles and that like wow that line you're not, not doing well buddy up. no he's he's struggling and the thing about it is that they i mean juan thompson has that neck injury and then you've got ronnie hillman who just isn't very good i mean like ronnie hillman to me it seems it seems like he's even incapable of stepping in, and unless the he's he's like Michael James, he should be playing at Oregon pretty much. Like, it, it, unless they made changes to the offensive line, like the blocking to open things up, I don't know to the degree that Kubiak had the Ravens' offensive line ripping open big holes 
for guys like Justin Forsett. I don't think you could even rely on Hillman if C.J. Anderson goes down at some point. Anderson at 5,900 seems like a good tournament play because ownership will probably be pretty low, and all it takes is a couple short TDs. You know, It might be 12 carries, 50 yards, and a touchdown or two touchdowns even. At that price, that could be worth it. But I just worry about turf toe being an injury. That turf, could toe, turf toe is something that guys often just don't really get over until yeah, next just, year, especially if you're like a running back who has job security issues. Like You're probably always trying to return one game sooner than you should, one practice sooner than you should. Um, so yeah, I'm probably not going to go after anything Denver this week except maybe like a tournament lineup with one of their receivers or Peyton Manning or something. Um, but yeah, right, right below uh, CJ uh joseph randall is someone who i've kind of just you know taken for a joke because he kind of is a joke but after last week and uh maybe there was just something in uh the dallas water last sunday where Devonte freeman and joseph randall these two mediocre guys just go crazy who knows but three touchdowns i mean that's that's pretty impressive i don't think the saints are any good on offense so or on defense really so i can imagine i can imagine both mark ingram and joseph randall having solid games uh especially ingram since he gets more of the workload in new orleans than randall does in dallas but uh yeah 5500 for randall that's that's like borderline cash game price for me certainly got to get some tournaments in there uh he's got untapped upside as a pass catcher i think lance dunbar's on pace for like 117 receptions this year which i don't think he'll do it so if uh if that pace can if that's actually like a 70 60 catch pace even that dunbar is more realistically on i can i I can imagine some you know four or five catch games for randall uh coming up too so that that should help offset whatever carries he gives to you know mcfadden and maybe eventually michael whatever got some questions about andre ellington 5400 home against the rams if he's able to play how many snaps how many touches i think that's a big question so he'd probably stay away there Devonte freeman coming off that big game against the cowboys home matchup against houston 5200 is the price what are you doing with Devonte freeman this week i'm tempted i uh i did not have any of them last week which sucked um i did not have any of them last week and this week i mean when you when you're a clear favorite which i would imagine i would imagine what is it like five and a half at least for atlanta probably um i'm so bad at bringing these things up uh anyway houston houston run defense has been pretty good but you have you have to wonder like is it just will will the houston offense be such a liability that atlanta sees you know substan- substantially greater uh, or more favorable field position than they would against most teams and at home you can count on matt ryan getting them within scoring range and even if it's not a rushing touchdown for freeman he's busy enough as a pass catcher that offense doesn't really have an established second pass catcher behind julio that can be freeman if uh you know hankerson and and roddy white aren't doing anything which uh you know totally possible so freeman at 5200 is awfully awfully tempting that one th- that one thing about his toe injury in practice i guess is worth checking into just to make sure it's not some kind of variation of turf toe because that would be scary um, but if he's if he seems vaguely healthy and coleman's out again i i think that's a very very tempting price there look at geo bernard five thousand dollars while jeremy hill i think it's still at like sixty five hundred i mean whole matchup for the Bengals against the chiefs uh, what do you think about bernard given that you get one point for every reception on DraftKings? very very tempting also uh i don't know what to expect from i don't know what i think either of kansas city as a defense they 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 have some very talented parts obviously um i think they can be very good 
seems like Cincinnati's offense might be like one of the very best in the league. Seems though like, it seems elite. Like they've so, got yeah. weapons, and Andy Dalton's just not making a lot of mistakes right Dalton's now. Dalton's apparently just really good now. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, if, if if Bernard's Bernard seems like kind of like the Jamal Charles light at this point, where it's like if Cincinnati's getting beaten, he'll catch passes because he'll won't play if they're losing. We know that, and even if they're winning. Bernard's running probably had something to do with it. Like he, he probably got his share of whatever you know payoff there was in the event that Cincinnati wins easy. So yeah, five thousand—that's a definite cash game play for me. Uh, I don't think I expect a ton of upside with Hill there and going against that defense, but I think he does have a high floor. I like Melvin Gordon a lot this week. Forty-nine hundred against the Browns defense that I think is pretty soft. We saw what Latavius Murray did in that matchup a week ago and you think about Gordon as the guy that especially against Cincinnati in week two looked pretty explosive Danny Woodhead I mean he's still going to have his his role catching passes you're not going to get a lot out of Gordon as far as uh, receptions but you think about him as like a a more talented Alfred Morris type guy role wise not not skill wise in terms of how the Chargers could use him home especially I think they could put up plenty of points against that Browns defense 4900 to me just seems like a great price Woodhead by the way at 4600 uh, Frank Gore, 4,700 against the Jags. Colts being at home in that matchup. Maybe it's Matt Hasselbeck under center. Do you think about Gore just for the volume? Because if, if they have to go to the backup quarterback, I would imagine the game plan changes significantly. Yeah, and that's a case, though, where I worry about the increase in volume not accounting for the decrease in efficiency because the touchdown opportunities will be fewer. Uh, Jacksonville will stack the box if Matt Hasselbeck is playing. I played Gore a lot last week. I don't think I will this week with with Gordon 200 more, with Bernard 300 more. I just don't see the point. Uh, Like you, I think Melvin Gordon's a great play. He's going to be very, very highly owned, I think, this week for good reason. Uh, It just feels like he's due for that kind of game that we think he's capable of. Uh, He's looked pretty good so far. It's just some tough matchups and just the, the acclimating to the NFL uh, but I mean, you're at home against Cleveland. Josh McCown wants to make that sh- that field nice and short for you. So uh, yeah, Gordon is a much better play than Gore, even uh, even accounting for price. I think you got Doug Martin at 4400 home Ugh. against the Panthers. TJ Yeldon on the road against the Colts, also Ooh. at 4400. Potential I, volume I with both of those guys. I think I'll I think I might take a look at Yeldon in a couple of my tournaments. I'm not doing anything with Martin. I I think the Buccaneers are a train wreck. I don't even think Lovey Smith makes it out of the year um but yeah that doug doug martin is losing carries to charles sims who is just horrible but lovey smith's hand-picked running back of the future needs to do something um and yeah going against even without keekley i I think that's a bad matchup for the tampa bay offense even at home uh but yeah yeldon is kind of interesting on that especially on that dome turf if hasselbeck's you know turning it over going three and out or so that this is seems like about as good of a chance as any for yeldon to reliably um, have some kind of scoring opportunity, which normally won't you know happen in that offense. All right, from the sub four thousand group of running backs, Carlos Williams will probably be the most owned running back oh, yeah. in the league this week. For Thirty four hundred dollars, sure. great price there with LeSean McCoy Got officially it. ruled out. But the other sub four thousand names that are intriguing: Alfred Blue. If if we don't see Arian Foster active at thirty nine hundred against that Falcons run defense we talked about how weak they were the concern you have though is that the Falcons offense could get up in this game and 
the Texans may simply have to abandon the run. Uh, you also have Lance Dunbar, again, full point PPR, 3,600. It just seems like the Cowboys have really locked in on him as their pass catching back for the time being. With, with Brandon Whedon at quarterback, you're going to have a lot of checkdowns. I like Dunbar. I wish they would let him play actual running back because I think he'd be the best one they have at it. Um, but they, they have a rule, apparently, if you're five foot eight, you can't play running back. Uh, but he's on a he's on on pace hashtag on pace for over 100 catches this year even though he has two carries that's ridiculous Uh, but yeah he's he's tempting but i I don't think i'll go there it just doesn't seem sustainable hashtag on pace brought to you probably by pace salsa somewhere not on this pod though so they should probably pay up uh, before i reference them again let's move on to the wide receiver position of course we're going to start at the top julio jones seems like he's fine and the, the toe issue he has is more at the top of his toe not the bottom so it doesn't sound like the origins of turf toe for him 9300 he is once again at the top of the list if he stays but, healthy he's going to have one of those like jerry rice seasons it's crazy what he's been able to do so far just the, the actual yeah, he's volume just completely dominant player 9300 I feel like I'm going to pay up for him most places and because every of those single, cheap backs you can do it yeah every single team that goes against him you know like all practice all week they're like okay we just we won't even learn the other guys' names just Julio Jones we gotta we gotta stop him and the 12 catches 13 9 catches there's there, he's completely unstoppable except for durability i never want to fall prey to the recency bias and go after players that simply just went off the week before but aj green is still cheap at 7600 matching up against the chiefs i mean just a really favorable pass defense to go up against right now i know they got an injury in the secondary too they lost uh, one of the corners gains in that game too yeah, he's so. a slot guy i don't know how much green would go against him I'm a, little, a little worried about him march, uh, matching up with sean smith who's like a 6-4 corner uh usually a sean smith would suffer against the smaller guys he can't get a hold of but either way i mean green's good enough that he's not someone you you substantially worry about with matchup and at home yeah kansas city getting ripped up by rogers is a, is a nice little appetizer i guess so looking at beckham at 9100 he's second to julio again in price <sighs> Do you like him against the Bills? I'm kind of leaning away from Beckham thus far. I haven't really built the lineup with him in it yet. I like him, but I don't like him at that price. Like he would, I don't think I'll be picking him at all. I'd much rather pay 200 more for Julio uh, than, as, as I said earlier, I don't think New York's going to be able to run on Buffalo, so I think they'll have to throw it. But the, the New York passing game isn't working quite as well as it did last year, and Beckham hasn't been able to, as a result, show off you know the ridiculous production that he is capable of uh he's still doing totally fine it's just when you're over nine thousand, you kind of need that like you know over 30 points one out of two times whereas like julio can get you to 30 like four out of five times so uh yeah julio's julio's definitely the better buy at just 200 more i think look at randall cobb 7400 not much of a price bump there i would, I would have expected him to cost at least eight thousand, but i don't think the monday night game was priced into his week four price and i think a big part of that is that he's still coming off that shoulder injury but he seems to be completely healthy at this point yeah, he's awesome it just seems like it's worth going after him but again like how much do you care about players being among the most productive at their position the week before like it, to me it's just entirely random if, if he's gonna have three or four great games over the course of the year and like 10 good ones and one or two duds the order in which those great games happen it's wildly unpredictable like we don't know week to week you know, if it's going to be one of those good games or one of those great ones, I just think that price, until that price comes up, you have to think really hard about putting Randall Cobb in that lineup. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have some Cobb this week. I, I, Like I said, I think he's awesome to begin with, but I also thought Monday's game was zero surprise. Like, I, I don't think there's anything surprising about Randall Cobb at home, Devontae Adams and Eddie Lacy limited having a three touchdown game. Like, that's that's just that's actually like exactly what the projections push you towards. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think they're going to give him three touchdown opportunities this week, but it's, it's so easy to, for the number one receiver of Aaron Rodgers, one as talented as Cobb moreover doing something, you know, like seven or eight catches for a hundred and a touchdown or two, pretty much regardless of the opponent. Uh, the only reason I probably won't have him in cash games is just because I probably want to pay up for Julio in my cash games, and I'm going to need to go cheaper than seven thousand for my second receiver. But I love Cobb, so I think I think he's just awesome. Moving down to the sub seven thousand dollar group, I mean Jordan Matthews. You mentioned the weather concerns in Philly. Maybe you stay away from him because of that now at sixty six hundred. But how about Larry Fitzgerald still sitting there at seventy five hundred, and Mike Evans only sixty four hundred. I know the Bucks are dysfunctional. Evans got seventeen targets last week. It went over 100 yards. See what, what's right three. below Mike Evans, too? Yeah, Amari Cooper Oof. at 6,300 against three. the Bears. Man, I'm, I'm going to have to make – I might have to make a second cash game lineup with just those three receivers in a row because uh, that that's that's definitely tempting right there. Uh, Fitz uh, generally does really well against those in-division teams, especially the non-Seattle ones. Uh, Carson Palmer's healthy. What else do you need to hear? He's still really good. Um, Evans against Carolina I'm a little more worried about, though um yeah i probably won't take much of evans actually just because uh james winston doesn't seem to have much traction and again i think the the buccaneers are just clowns at pretty much every level except offensive coordinator i do like dirk cater but i just i just don't think anything they're doing seems to make much sense uh fitzgerald cooper i think are both great cash game and tournament targets alike um yeah below that i guess we're down into like that uh jeremy macklin Allen robinson territory so Allen Robinson is confusing to me. I was very, very high on him before this year. I think I still am. Um, four <laughs> catches against four catches for sixty-eight again at you know New England is not bad at all. I'm just kind of that one catch twenty-seven yard week one has me a little anxious. But anyway, if he can avoid Vontae Davis a few times, which I think he will, because I thought Robinson ran out of the slot a lot. But uh, anyway, playing in that dome, I, I do like Allen Robinson for GPPs at least. I don't hate Jeremy Macklin either at 5,800. We no. talked about how good the Bengals offense is. I assume they can move the ball and put up a lot of points against the Chiefs. And with that, you get a little extra volume from Alex Smith. It's, it's basically just Macklin and Kelsey and, and dump offs to Charles. It's pretty much the whole offense as far as what they can do when throwing it. They don't really have second or third receivers that you worry about taking targets away. So Macklin at 5,800 with the full point PPR, I think is worth a look. Uh, if you're trying to kind of steer away from everybody, Golden Tate at 5,300, eh, you know, the, the concern is it's against Seattle, but Megatron probably gets a good amount of Richard Sherman. They've got Cam Chancellor back. I just wonder if that Seattle defense is going to start to round into form here over the next few weeks. Yeah, I wouldn't go Detroit anything this week. Um, yeah, just, I, I, I hate, I hate the way that team looks right now. I don't think I think they're very poorly coached on offense and I didn't think that'll change it's like Stafford Stafford is first of all playing terrible right now like he's hurt he's playing terrible still doesn't know how to play quarterback in the NFL still thinks he's just gonna like spin move his way out of all these really obvious incoming sack scenarios he's he's a mess that team just sucks how about James Jones at 5300 if you want some cheap exposure to the Packers without paying up for Aaron Rodgers without paying up for Eddie Lacy and without paying for Randall Cobb man i don't 
on the one hand, it's like I can't bring myself to buying into James Jones, but I can't give a good argument why anyone shouldn't. Um, especially seven catches for one thirty nine and a touchdown. As soon as Adams went out of that game, it just it it vaulted up the number of looks Jones was going to see. I, I I think in the season long context, maybe buying low on Adams if you can stash him away is still oh, a yeah. good idea because I think if he can get healthy, he's going to be that guy. Look back at Week One when Rodgers barely even threw it against the Bears. Adams is the guy he looked to the most, even though Jones was getting red zone targets. So the, the run of James Jones being a possible like top 15, top 20 receiver is going to last a couple of weeks while Adams is banged up. But I think it's going to be a pretty hard crash once the once Adams is back. Yeah, I think I would generally fade Jones for a few weeks because we also know that that a touchdown every three catches rate is not going to last unless he catches, you know, 20 passes this year or something. A couple other cheap options moving down to the four thousand dollar range and below how about marvin jones at 3800 i mean the only concern i have there is that if eifert has a good game jones probably suffers it's just like the bengals offense has so many weapons it makes it really difficult to rely on the secondary guys week in and week out it just seems like 3800 is a good price to take that chance that is that is really cheap and tempting and i I think marvin jones is a pretty good player it's just i don't know i i I am not to the point in my DFS career where I have so many lineups that I get down to, you know, Marvin Jones on the list generally. Um, like for instance, I I would rather I would rather stay above the four thousand a little bit and just kinda like go after someone like Crabtree or something if I was going for a little more under the radar. Cause I think Crabtree has both a pretty good floor and a high ceiling in that game. Like even though he's well behind Amari Cooper, he still has eighteen catches in three games and you know one touchdown in three games so ppr going against chicago i like crabtree cash or tournament variation either one but yeah under that under that four thousand it's just there's just like nothing there uh do we, do we like ted ginn as a they benched they just benched their starting corner in tampa bay for tim jennings who's like 33 and five foot eight um I don't know. Ginn, Ginn does have four catches two weeks in a row. Yeah. No, no. If I'm if I'm going ugly cheap receiver, not like ugly in appearance. I don't I don't really I don't even care make about these that. judgment calls. But uh, Cecil Shorts, twenty nine targets through three games. He's getting some volume. Sixteen catches, six catches each of the last two weeks. It just seems like a guy that going up against the Falcons, where again the Falcons offense may be able to put up a lot of points against the Texans. Ryan Mallett may have to go into throw it fifty eight times mode again. Just by natural volume, I think Shorts can do some damage. And he does have some big playability. He's shown that at times in Jacksonville. He can be a dangerous player after the catch. I think if you want to go really cheap with a receiver spot or with the flex for a tournament purpose, I think Cecil Shorts is one of those players I'm gravitating towards. He has been targeted a ton. Um, I'm, a, I'm a little worried about that being sustainable, but I mean, they, they probably will need to throw, as you said. As for a very, very, very cheap consideration, 3,100 is Robert Woods. If Watkins is out, I mean, Woods has woods has nine catches in three games that sucks whatever but i don't know if, if, you're, if you're down in that 3100 range maybe think about it sometimes you're just down in that 3100 range and it's all you can do you got to find something to plug there in. isn't a Bilal powell every week so. no not every week but let's move on to the tight ends here no gronk which is the oh i don't worst care thing. the worst thing about the patriots being i don't on even want to do the tight ends now just skip the tight ends this week I mean, there's little Gronk. Kelsey is still there, so and it's 5300. It's not extremely cross prohibitive. I mean, even Greg Olson at 5400 is not bad. Kind of falls into the well. He went off last week. Can he even? Can he do it again? Well, do we I, think? Or sorry, I was. We, we thought Jimmy Graham would do okay last week. Do we think? Do we? Do we care? Do we trust Bavel to make that two straight? 
No, not when Travis Kelsey and Greg Olson are six and seven hundred dollars cheaper. All right, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, I got distracted by that. Uh, How about Martellus Bennett against the Raiders? If if Jay Cutler plays, especially like if Cutler's healthy enough to go, Bennett at forty five hundred against a team that cannot cover tight ends, I think is a really sneaky play. Dude, if 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 uh, Alshon Jeffrey is out and Jay Cutler is in, I man, even if. Even if color isn't in, I think I might need to go with a little Martellus in a tournament setting. Like he caught four passes last week, fifteen yards doesn't do anything, but he caught four passes in a game in Seattle where Jimmy Clausen was quarterback. Um, I'm going to backtrack on the sneaky though. Everyone knows the Raiders can't cover tight ends, so people are seeking out Bennett. I just I wouldn't do it if Clausen is playing quarterback. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I love Martellus as a talent. So if 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 Cutler's in and Jeffrey is out, he'll probably have a pretty steady presence in my cash game scenarios. Do you do you have any opinion on Eric Ebron as like a total desperate lottery ticket type thing? Says that Se- Seattle struggled with tight ends last year. They're struggling this year. They're not going to throw to the receivers in that game a whole lot. I don't know. Kind of a good, probably low ownership tournament play. I think that's the way I would describe Eric Ebron. And it's everything in general looks a little thinner this week. Yep. Uh, Well, you get the London game also not being there. No Dolphins, no Jets. So there's two fewer teams there. The two teams on bye. And then, of course, the Thursday game being off. So that's why it's a little lighter than the first three. Uh, Charles Clay at 3,300 is probably the last one I'm thinking about because we mentioned Sammy Watkins being out. It probably helps Robert Woods. But Charles Clay's volume seems pretty safe, and the Giants have had some issues with tight ends here early this season. That's Yeah, that's definitely a good catch. I was going to ask, have you seen him at all in Buffalo yet? Like, does it does they seem to have a plan for him, or is it kind of... A, a little bit. I've seen a, a, a... I don't know. Maybe I mean, five catches for 82 yards and a touchdown last week. A touchdown the week before that against the Patriots, and four catches in week one seem to make clear like this guy's going to be pretty consistently featured so yeah i do like him quite a bit at especially at that price that's dirt cheap for a guy who could very very easily be the lead receiver um on a team that's suddenly better at passing than any of us seem to expect yeah six for 60 in a score doesn't seem all that yeah far forget ebron reach. just go with clay if you're not if you're gonna take like kelsey or something i don't even I, I'm, I think i'm like all in on clay now if it's not eifert or kelsey or something like that i'm probably just gonna go with clay might have to given the receivers and some of the top backs i was thinking about going after may have to go a little cheaper at tight end this week what do you do with your defense do you go seattle home against i'm Detroit gonna try at i'm gonna try to buy up for that stafford in seattle Seattle. um i like the broncos at home at 3300 against the vikings though too that's definitely good uh man there's yeah that top that top four there is all pretty tempting with arizona and carolina going against the buccaneers um yeah as far as like a bargain kind of defense if, uh, if clausen starts do you take a chance on the raiders at 2600 i don't know um I don't know. Eagles 2700 going on the road against Kirk Cousins what could be really rainy poor conditions. I'll take that. Yeah, if, if they're playing in a rainstorm, I would take like either defense in that game. Going really ugly and, and channeling Nick Whalen, who hosts on Mondays and Wednesdays, Jags against the Colts if Andrew Luck doesn't play at 2500. I would not fault anyone for doing it. I probably won't just because I'm a little scared of... I don't think the Jaguars' defense is very talented, aside from Telvin Smith, who's the best linebacker. Um, Yeah, I I don't think I have the guts for that one, especially when we can just go up to the Eagles or go you know go up to the eagles or washington if it turns out the weather's pretty bad there even the 3300 for the broncos really isn't that bad if you want to pay up for denver at home against minnesota i just i the wade prices will seldom burn you uh, yeah i love 
love as as we've documented a few times in the pod. Love Wade Phillips leading that defense. Wade right Wade Phillips now. podcast approves of Broncos at Son of Bum on Twitter. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. Also, check out ROTOWIRE for free for the next 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod. Good luck in week four. We'll be back with you on Monday. <laughs>